in a world crying out for a top 10 show. John Roca and Matt Nost are here to bring you the top 10. Take it away, boys. Everybody and welcome to this brand new episode of the Top Ten. I am John Roca, and I am Matt Nost, and we're here to bring you another week of movie discussion. This time, our favorite movies about weddings, thanks to the release of Maybe I Do. Yeah, um, <laughs> which is who's in Maybe I Do? Who, who's in that one? Uh, you've got uh, Diane Keaton, William okay. H Macy, Richard Gere, Susan Sarandon, Emma Roberts. A lot of people there. And those are the biggest names. Okay. Um, yeah, and then we've got uh, Shotgun Wedding that is, that is out around this time that you guys are listening to this episode as well with uh, J-Lo and um, yeah. Josh Duhamel. So I think that's on Peacock, I think. Is that how you pronounce his name? Yeah. I'm, that's the way I pronounce it. Is there another okay. way to pronounce it? Duhamel? Duhamel is what, but... Okay. I... Can't think of a single time I've seen him interviewed or anything where they've oh, said okay. his name. This is Josh, whatever. Uh, Someone should create a website where you can go to, which is called Celebrity Name Pronunciations, and you have a clip of the person saying their name. I think that might exist. What? Okay. I believe so. Let me, I'll look it up. <laughs> look up Leah. Look up Josh Duhamel. Duhamel. Shlemio Shlemazel. Um, yeah, so we're going to get into that and talk about it and break down our uh, lists here as we do on the top 10. But um, uh, before we start, Matt, you know we usually kibitz, for lack of a yes. better term, before we start. But uh, we should, uh, we've got a big announcement to make. So um, uh, do you want to take it away? Do you, do you want me to do it? What do you, go up. Uh, we'll, we'll do it together. Okay, we, took, so. we took this leap together. We will... <laughs> Take this secondary leap together. Sounds good. Um, so we have after how many years has it been, John? Uh, probably seven or eight. Yeah, since the beginning of yeah. I guess we're going. We would be going into our eighth year because I think we started the show in 2015. Okay, I was getting into this business. Um, something along those lines. Mm. Yeah. So seven or eight years, and after all this time. We have uh, decided that we are officially going to hang it up. Yeah. We're ending the top 10. We're going to end it. Yeah. Um, You know, we had a bunch of discussions about it. This had been something for us that we've been kicking around for a while, for a few months. Um, We've seen, you know, let's be honest. We've seen the numbers go down. We've seen the Patreon commitments go down. Uh, We were riding high, certainly doing the live shows. And, uh, you know, I, I guess now in retrospect, our apex being London, the London shows, which was really as high as we get, could have gotten at the at the time. And we had really great plans to go all over the country with the show. Um, but the pandemic hit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, unfortunately, it took us a while to finally kind of come to this conclusion. But 
it seems pretty obvious that it's the right decision for us to make at this point. Um, and although we would have loved to continue going, it just seems the signs are pointing towards us uh, I think, bringing this to a, a good end. Yeah. On a, on a high note, as opposed yeah. to us just fading into complete utter obscurity on the show, because then what's the point? Why did we put in all this work? Yeah. But I think personally for me, one of the, driving factors is for the past year we've done shows where collectively five or six of our top 10 we've talked about so many times yeah that we just say you know what we talked about it and yeah. we move right past it and it's harder and harder to come up with lists or ideas that we haven't done yeah, yeah. or to to try and rehash an idea because certain topics we've done three for I like Tom Cruise. I think we've done minimum three times. We might yeah. have done four times. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it just gets to a point where it's like I don't, I don't know what else we have to say because new movies keep coming out, but to supplant yeah. on our lists is really difficult. And there's not enough of them to where the discussion becomes entirely anew all over again. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, there's those weeks where you're just like, yeah, we've talked about it, and then we end the show, and, and there's a, a tinge of guilt in that we yeah. didn't talk about the you know, five of those movies near as much as we would have a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, so, you know, instead of just rehashing everything that we've already done, we decided let's, let's set a date. Mm -hmm. Let's give people a, a chance to uh, hear this announcement Yeah, and uh, join us for one final live show, roughly about a month from now. Yeah. yeah the last week of February, we are going to do a live show. And the evening hours so that people will be able to watch and hang out with us uh, and join us for that. Um, and yeah, I mean, like, like Matt said, exactly. The rehashing of the movies, the same ones. Go, and we sense from you all that, you know, and I think that's one of the reasons why this thing has been kind of losing listeners is because people are just exhausted of hearing us talk about the same movies. They yeah. know our opinions. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. It makes sense. You can pick and choose what you want to listen to, what you don't want to listen to. Uh, and we did have discussions about possibly another iteration of it. But the truth is, at the end of the day, it's we've done this for so long. And, um, you know, no matter how much we would want to adjust it, I think the re we both think the results, if I could speak for Matt, we both think it wouldn't lead to that much more engagement or um, attention for the show. Yeah. So we, we just think this is the better route for both of us to walk. Uh, and as Matt said, to jump off uh, the cliff uh, together on this one um since we came into it together so yeah and the we're targeting february 27th which is yeah. a monday mm -hmm. in the evening and then the plan would be we record the live show and then for those that listen to the audio it'll be uploaded and ready to go for you the next day as right. per usual so they're once again we're, we're forecasting this out five weeks in advance or so yeah. so so long as everything goes according to plan and we don't have to change anything but as of right now the 27th we haven't set a time right um but as john mentioned we're gonna go for something in the evening that way people are off work and if they want to come hang out with us one final time yeah uh they can do that but yeah. uh you know I, I don't uh want people to be sad or anything like mm. that we've had a hell of a run we've gotten we to do things that 99 percent of podcasts will unfortunately for them never have the opportunity to do to do these amazing live shows and interact with so many incredible people from around the world yeah um and i hope all our contingent from way way back when in ghana 
<laughs> go up for February 27th. We don't get the country by country breakdown anymore. Our first Not podcast anymore. service gave us that in Ghana. We had a huge contingent we did. of fans in Ghana. Somehow, some way. Somehow, some way. But they were in the top 10 of our countries. Now, some people said it was, there's a lot of internet service routers from Africa and whatnot that go through Ghana before they exit the country. I'm fucking calling bullshit. And I'm just yeah. going to say we had a huge contingent of fans. Absolutely. In Ghana. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, seeing that week in, week out when we first started, dude, we're, we're getting amazing, amazing numbers in this country and this, and this part yeah. of the world. This is incredible. So, uh, but yeah, we're building up to that February 27th date. So if you'd like to join us, we'll, we'll have more information as we get closer, but we yeah. just want to let you know now. Yeah. And, and you know, as Matt said, it's been a hell of a run when we first came together, you know, we were brought together um for a meeting we had not known each other we had a couple of meetings uh and then decided to take a chance uh and the show kind of morphed and evolved into what it became and so many of you came aboard so many of you contributed to our patreon some of you showed up to our live shows bought our shirts you know uh repped our merchandise promoted us on your own social media feeds and we can't thank you all enough for keeping the show alive that way as well and i agree with what matt said i mean 99% of the podcasts who are out there probably don't have the story that we have. And that, I mean, we became tag team champions of the Schmodown. We kept going into different places and ex trying to expand the show, trying to expand the reach of the show. We brought on some incredible guests to have some fantastic discussions. I mean, I think of the Mark and Draco episode. I think of uh, Clark Wolf coming on to talk about sci-fi stuff. I think of Mance coming on to the show. But, and we also went live. Speaking of Mance, we also went on the Collider to try to do a show on a set uh, and and as a version of the top 10. So this is this is a show that has fought and kicked and screamed and punched and clawed its way to stay alive mm -hmm. in multiple iterations. And so no one can say we didn't give it everything we got to try to make it work and try to make it uh, become a big success. Um, uh, but in the end, uh, here as we go, you know, some things come to pass. Some things don't 100% uh, get there to where we wanted yeah. it to be. And that's life. And uh, But we're very proud, as Matt said, of all we did get to do and all we were able to accomplish. Um, and uh, it's been a hell of a ride, brother, for sure. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I, I really thank you for taking the chance. And um, honestly, all the things we did were so much fun uh, putting it together and having the interactions with the fans, everything like that. So, you know, in the end, I got no regrets about us taking the chance on this and and the many places we've gone with it. So, yeah. Yeah. All good things come to an end. Hmm. And uh, it was a hell of a ride. And we'll be joining you guys weekly as we always do. Yeah. For the next five, six weeks. So yeah. uh, if you want to come join us on the 27th, we'd love to see you. And, uh, but you know, we'll talk about that more as, as we get closer don't want to turn this into a full retrospective considering we're going to have one entire show. I'm assuming on the yeah. 27th, basically a fan interaction retrospective, right? Right. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah. Uh, you know, save a little gas in the tank for that, I guess. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and ironically, we're doing a show about weddings considering we're ending our wedding in a way uh, uh, for this show. So this will be a fun discussion. Uh, for sure, getting into this stuff. But for um, anything going on with you, like how are you doing? How are things in your world? Uh, anything you want to bring up before we jump into our discussion? Uh, I mean, that's a 
exceedingly open-ended question. Uh, <laughs> okay. Is there something specific going on in your world that you want to talk about? No, or? no. I was just asking to check in with you. That's all. No. I So, uh, you know, you guys are going to fucking blow it up, man. Hachimura's on the trade block. <laughs> I love of the assets that you could actually get something for. Hachimura's where you guys start. <sighs> as if, as if Kuzma's going to resign with you. He's not. Yeah, no. By all accounts, I mean he's he's fucking batting his eyelids at any big market that'll take him. I, I think Simmons put it best. You don't want to go the Wizards route where you constantly yeah. bring back the same people for a, to try to get a forty to forty four win team consistently 100%. every year. It makes no sense. Nope. Yeah, you're never going to win a championship. You just could always be right in that middle pack doing yeah. nothing. Yeah, I don't. But when they were like Wizards exploring trade possibilities for Hachimura. And I was like, Hachimura, <laughs> who's having a good season. It's like, I, I, I want to say 12 and a half, 13 points a game. Yeah. I know he scored 36 once. And I think 31 another time this season, yeah. he yeah. missed a spell of games like 10, 12 games, but still whatever. Yeah. Younger guy, you know, not bad, but Beal's going to get you something. Yeah. Kuzma's going to get you something. I don't think anybody take Porzingis. Uh, not at the contract that he's at. No, no. way. Yeah. I, I don't think you'd get what you feel is fair market value for him. That as well, for sure. Um, but what about, what about your Bulls, though, man? Your Bulls, what, what do you make of your Bulls? Like, uh, who are the Bulls? Are they the team that went on the run? Are they the team that fell apart? Are they the team that went on the new run? Dude, who are the last, Bulls? Last year, if you were under 500, we're curb stomping you. <laughs> if you're above 500, hey, good game. You guys are really good. This year, anybody above 500, we're fucking bringing it to you. Yeah. And it's the lower end teams who are just like, ah, we don't need to play on this game. You're like, guys, <laughs> fucking, yes, you do. That's why I was kind of shocked that we beat the Pistons yeah. in Paris. It was like, uh, this seems like a game we're destined to lose. Yeah. Like the NBA yeah. put up a graphic of all the guys that scored 40 plus points in the month of January. Yeah. We're the only team that had three. DeRozan did it. Wow. Levine did it. Vooch did it. We're the only ones. The Knicks had two. Yeah. Nobody else had more than one. We had three guys. So we have something, <laughs> but we only show up, which I guess is somewhat a good sign as opposed to last year going into yeah. the playoffs. It's like, we can't beat any good teams. So I'm not buying this bullshit. Whereas this year it's just like, yeah, we show up for the good teams. It's just, there's a lot of bad teams out there too. And yeah. We fucking keep losing to them when we shouldn't. Now, some of them are scrappy, like Orlando is by record doesn't look like it, but that's a scrappy team. Yeah, right. And I fear them. And like Detroit is, especially if they had Cade, that's a scrappy team. True, true. But, you know, yeah. some of the others. Just you like, guys are just hard to figure out. I know we're up and down until we get Lonzo back. I still don't know what oh, this yeah. team is. Yeah, I mean, but, just looking at the looking at the runs here, you know, because now you're on a two game winning streak, having beaten the state, the Golden State, and but the Golden State, I don't know, Golden State is starting to look like two years ago, so that's getting a little scary. I'd be real concerned if I'm a Golden I, State fan. I think if you just get Jordan Poole to stop turning the fucking ball over seven times a game, <laughs> that would be something because they already they're turnover prone. That is their system. Yeah, is we're gonna turn over the ball a lot just because we pass the ball so fucking much. Yeah. And so it's going to happen, but man, he is a turnover machine. Yeah. Plus you couple that with the fact that they don't get to the line like any kind of high caliber team. Yeah. So it's like, you're already operating from a deficit. 
and then you turn over the ball as much as you do. It's yeah. it's tough. Although Vucevic played so well for you guys against them, he he took he took Draymond Draymond Green to school, man. It was it was it was just yeah. uh, unsettling to watch what he's able to do to uh, to Draymond. Yeah, and I don't know if that was just a we had a good night, they had a bad night, or it yeah. was genuinely that was their best effort, and we took it to them. I, I don't I don't know. Although their best effort this year, like you mentioned, eh, you know, or you alluded to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Yeah. I don't know what you have in Golden State, to be honest. Do you see any big moves? I was listening to Simmons' uh, no. one thing. He was it didn't seem like much that they anticipate would happen here. Now, unless unless we just go on a vicious losing streak. Yeah, yeah. I don't see it. I think because the this is the new front office and these are all the moves they made over yeah. the past couple of years. Oh, good point. Yeah, yeah. yeah they're, this is their strategy. I don't see them deviating from this strategy this season. Right. In the offseason, perhaps. Right. Unless somebody swooped in and just offered us the moon for Levine. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. But I don't know what that is. Because uh, then you got a salary match on top of that. So it's yeah. kind of a tough thing. Like, oh, you're like, oh, the Lakers, they would love to have him. Because there was a report that came out last week that Levine is demanding a trade to the Lakers. And it was from, you know. I didn't believe it when I read it. Do I think he wants to play there? Sure. He, I believe he went to UCLA. LeBron, yeah. Yeah, it's LA. Yeah. But it's like, okay, you have your two first, but then we have the, the salary match, and I don't want Westbrook. Yeah. And plus, I don't think they can give up Westbrook, to be honest. They don't not have any that, other playmakers. Yeah, not with that money situation. No way, man. Yes, I don't. So, I, I, yeah, I think we stand pat. What about any? Do you, do you anticipate any big ones? I mean, because the deadline was is still a couple of weeks away. So, do you think any big trades are going to happen? Any big I, people moving? That's the thing, though. Who? I mean, yeah. All I hear is Miles Turner and John Collins. That's all I hear the whole time. And I yeah, can't think I've been hearing John Collins since he got into the league. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't think either one of those is going to make a difference. Yeah, John Collins may be moved or he may not. Like, yeah. Miles Turner, I think Indiana is, is going to try and give an extension and then maybe trade him after that. But I don't, at this point, there's Indiana's a team that likes to be where they shouldn't, which is right. that eighth seed, seventh seed. Yes. But as long as they're contending and in the playoffs, their management and ownership's happy. Yeah. Uh, because they just want to put a competent winning team out there, you know, year in, year out, it seems. But that's yeah. been the their basically course trajectory for all these years. But the big names that potentially could be out there, I don't see them pulling the trigger. Like Dame Lillard is going to stay in Portland. Yeah, that's weird to me that people talk about Dame. Dame ain't leaving. Well, it's not. It's just like, should they invest in the youth of uh, Simons and Sharp? Yeah, right. Fair point. And then trade out Jeremy Grant, who wants... They offered him, I think, a four-year extension. He wants more than the 120-ish million that he would right. get. Right. Uh, so do you trade Jeremy Grant? And then if you're going to do that, then try and find a suitor for Josh Hart. And then if you're going to do that, no one's going to touch Nurk. But you oh, could yeah. get Nurk you get something that. for Dame. Yeah. Right. But I, I don't see them doing that in the slightest. Yeah. Yeah. I, weird. I can't think of a single big name right now, unless Miami decides to go full blow it up. But I don't see him doing it. Yeah. Exactly. This is where I go, okay, well, what do we – I can't see anything. I mean, even LeBron, they, we talk about LeBron. I can't imagine LeBron 
would go anywhere or want to go anywhere right now. So well, he can't. He has to stay on the team because of the extension he signed. Oh, that's right. He's on the Lakers for this year. In the summer, he can be traded, but he cannot right. be traded right now. Uh yeah. All right. Yeah. And I I tell you this much right now. Yeah. Pay attention to how many 40-point games LeBron has over the next week and a half. Okay. Because I think he is hell-bent on breaking the record Madison Square Garden. Oh, shit. He's He's got it. The problem is he took a couple games off yeah, over yeah, the yeah. past month. Had he not taken those off, he needs to average something like 42 a game. Because the others around that, it's like it's at Indiana and Pelicans <laughs> at home. Yeah. That's the big one. Although it's the Nets the night before, but that you'd have to juice his scoring even more. Had he not missed those two games in between, I think MSG was a real possibility. Wow. Yeah, I was trying to line it up, but doing it all season, tracking his to buy tickets oh, really? to the Lakers games. And originally I was thinking it was going to be when Golden State comes into town in yeah. a month. But I think he's going to break it before then. He's been on a trajectory of once AD went out, his scoring went up to about 33 points a game on average. Yeah, his last three games, 32, 48, and 35. Yeah, that 48, that's when I ran the numbers. I was like, he needs 43 a game. Oof. So now he needs like 43 and a half. It's still possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think he wants to break it in MSG. They're also weird because they went on that run with Atlanta, Charlotte, Miami, Atlanta, and Sacramento, and then came back down to earth against Denver, Dallas, and Philadelphia. So played them tough, though. I mean, all those games were close, but couldn't have a, they didn't have enough. And then they lost to Sacramento last night, so or a few days ago. So yeah, that oh, was no, last night. Yeah, was reco- sorry, we're recording this last night. Yeah, so. wasn't it? Wasn't two nights ago? I thought it was two nights ago. Oh, that's right. Today's Friday, dude. Yeah. <sighs> Fucking out my days, man. Yeah, the young guy. Got called for a take foul, and you're like, "That's you can't do that anymore, man." Late in the game, <laughs> I watched the end of that game. I was like, oh, "That's, yeah, it's a beautiful thing. We're not doing that bullshit anymore." <laughs> I'm thinking of getting the NBA league pass for the last, uh, the back half of the season, and just kind of settling in and watching some of these games and tracking people because it's been a bit since I've done that, and so I, I just feel like it'd be nice to kind of relax a little bit and get back to enjoying a little NBA stuff. I'm kind of. Like, I love talking movies, I love talking TV, man, but I'm a little, you know, like I'm a little burnt out on it right now. So I'm trying to kind of balance that in my mind with other well, things. Well, you're going to have one less opportunity to talk about movies coming up very shortly. So hopefully that helps with your fatigue. <laughs> <laughs> your, your burden is lessening. Yeah. This, show does not weeks. this show does not fatigue me. It's I don't know, dude. It all adds up, man. It all adds up. You never know which is the actual straw that breaks that camel's back. <laughs> Good point. Good point. I mean, I, you know, I started the sports channel as a separate YouTube channel. So I want to do more content and now NFL is wrapping up in three weeks. So I gotta start doing some NBA stuff, you know? Yeah. But that's the bread and butter. I know it is. It usually is most of the time because NBA is so long. And then, yeah, it just doesn't draw as many eyes. NFL is number one by a mile. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's maybe a year long. I'll get it. Maybe I'll get a USFL or XFL. We'll see. That's that's Uh, stupid. Yeah. I was with somebody and the commercial came on for the USFL and they're like, yes, season two. And I'm like, shut up. <laughs> no one is excited about this more football. It's n- it's not though. It's really not. Though. It's yeah. not. Yeah. When the rocks going to be up promoting that XFL stuff and we'll see how that turns out. Um, I don't have, 
I mean, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, uh, be nice to get a competitor for the league, but I can't. It, it, the, the thing at the end of the day is, as opposed to you could probably start a separate basketball league. You could absolutely start a separate basketball league, right? But when they're, it's the best of the best, it's really hard to start another league in what? the NFL uh, that competes with the NFL because the best of the best are already there. You know. Well, there's the Canadian Football League. That's where the next best go. Yeah. It's God's honest truth. I know, you're right. There's nowhere else for the yeah. doctor. Yeah. Plus, I, with basketball, you need uh, so many fewer people to field a team. Yeah. And the sport is fully international, unlike football. Right. Right. So, so you have a wealth of people to choose from globally. And yeah. That's not maybe necessary. And a global fan base if you can build it up. Whereas right. football, it's like you're really targeting this country and then pockets in other countries. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. Um, all right. Anyway. Uh, yeah, did you see the uh, just one last thing? Yeah, sure. From the Paris game, Wimbenyama was there. No. And him standing next to other NBA players. Dude, that dude is. It's so fucking big. I mean, there's the picture of him next to Gobert, and he's taller than Gobert. Yeah. But he was standing next to, like, Ben Wallace was there and Rip Hamilton and Magic Johnson, all, along with, I think, Tony Parker was there as well. Okay. And there's a clip of Ben Wallace walking up to say hi, and Tony Parker's right there, and he's like, dude, this guy towers, towers over Ben Wallace. I'm, look, I'm looking at it right now. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. Now, that jacket also makes him look bulkier. That dude is pretty yeah. wiry. Yeah. But... It looks like he smack them all in the back of the head. He's so fucking big. <laughs> I just i I'd be concerned with his, you know, joint health. Well, isn't what's his face out again? Zion. Uh, Zion Zion is out again. Yes. Yeah. So tall, big, big guys like that. You know, just like Greg Oden and others. It's just like I don't have any faith in them anymore, man. I really don't. Well, Zion's a freight train. That's why yeah. he has joint issues women yama is like the human body is really not meant to be this big and play a sport <laughs> it's just not <laughs> so he's gonna have more than likely issues at some point but that being said hey check out yeah. bo bowl i mean fucking incredible yeah, true. season true, true roughly the same size yeah no health issues by and large thus far so you never know a 7-2 durant would be really interesting he fully is too i don't know if you've ever watched anything I saw him do, uh, there was a fast break coming down. He was on defense. It was a 2-1-1. Yeah. So there's ball handler on the right wing coming up, and then the other offensive player on the left wing. And Wimbenyama is, what's that? Coming down? Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Like So you're Wimbenyama. They're progressing towards you. Ball's on your right, and then another uh, player's on your left. And he shades to the ball handler. The ball handler throws an alley-oop to the other guy. Wimanyama jumps up, almost blocks the fucking pass. Lands, takes one step, and jumps and blocks the alley-oop from the guy dunking. And you're like, that doesn't that doesn't make sense. Because it also happened about three feet outside of the paint from the pass. The wow. pass is about three. Yeah. So he jumps up, lands, takes one like maybe got a couple toes into the paint and then right. jumps from just below the right elbow and blocks the guy going in for a dunk. And it was Goodness like, that's gracious. That's not fucking real. <laughs> and then he's got like a silky jumper and he plays excellent defense and wow. he's got a great handle. And it's like, this dude doesn't make sense. Do you put weight on this guy at two Oh nine? I would do the Kevin Durant model. 
Ah, uh, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got yeah. he's gonna mature into his body because yeah. he's only 19. But no, it's, if it's gonna affect oh. his shooting motion and all that, no, just just because I'd like to see him stand next to Durant, see how much larger he is. But I'm guessing it's yeah. only a couple, like two, three inches. Durant's seven foot. The thing is, he doesn't even have to jump that high to slam the to touch the rim. That's no, crazy. I, I'm, I would guess he could probably go tippy toes and dunk from the ground. <laughs> yeah, I like that he's aggressive though. Like he wa- he wants to run down the court. He likes to run down the court. You know, a lot of big guys are always trailing the game sometimes. So seeing this guy, you know, want to run down the court immediately, I, I kind of like that instinct. That's a good thing, you know. That that would scare me if I'm a defender. A guy like that coming right down the court as quickly as the point guard. Oh, mm-hmm. fucking hell, man. That was yeah, he's shit out of me. He is legit. Mm. Oof. It's going to be something to see. Um. Okay, cool. All right. Well, let's get into our list here. We're going to talk about our top 10 movies about weddings. Now, I, I, I to me, I had it like, well, if a wedding occurs in the movie, it qualifies. Okay. And I try to steer away from films that are about marriages, sure, and not about weddings. So I was like, kind of dancing around this. So I don't know if I accomplished that, but that's how I constructed my list. What about you? Um. So yeah, movies about marriages. I got none. They have to. There has to be a wedding in the movie. Yes. Flat out has to be a wedding. Now yes. it could be like quick scene or the movie right. is building to that wedding type right, of situation. Or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But the, but what's driving the story in this is the wedding. Mm-hmm. If it's not going to be the significant focal point. Um, right. And I, I have like two, just like, okay. It doesn't exactly fall into that, but it, it more honors what we're talking about as opposed to what you mentioned of the yeah. a marriage type situation. So, and plus my, my list is weird. <laughs> well, I looked at like Cosmopolitans and Marie oh, Claire's yeah. and everybody's favorite wedding movies. And I yeah. have several of those, but there's a whole bunch where I'm like, Oh okay, yeah, totally. I get it. That's not my yeah. cup of tea, but everybody else likes that movie. Yeah. Uh, there's quite a few of those. So I think if you got another individual besides myself, that's really into these types of movies, their list would be completely different. Yeah. Yeah, mine has a. I had an overflow of about five to seven movies, uh, past the ten. So, I was surprised at how many choices I had to go, and I had to eliminate other ones because I was like, "Well, that's more about the marriage than it is about the wedding." And so, I the film had to kind of have a focus on that. Um, Such there's as one, there's one that oh, um, Heartburn, the um, Meryl Streep, Jack Nicholson one. Because that's oh. that's about their marriage, not a, and even though there's a wedding at the beginning of the movie, it's more about their marriage, right? Um, there's an animated one that I took off, but if it's on yours, I will put it back on my list because I was like, "Well, there is a wedding, and everything stems from this potential wedding." I have no animated film, so what is that one? Okay, Corpse Bride. I oh, was, I haven't. It's way I never saw it. Oh, okay, okay. It was it was on my list up until yesterday, and then I took it off because I was like, when I looked at some of the scenes, I'm like, yeah, yeah, the wedding or the potential of the wedding because he's tricked into marrying this person is the reason why all this shit happens. 
but it's not really about the wedding. It's about this idea of this person wanting to come back and trapping this person so they could do that. So it's not really about the wedding. So I, okay. I kind of eliminated that one, which moved another one of my favorites back up into the top 10 um, that I want to talk about. So, I, you know, it's the kind of place I went. Um, I really, I really hated cutting a couple of them because I, I do like the movies and we never talk about those movies, but I thought, well, it doesn't qualify. It doesn't qualify. Fair enough. Yeah. There are a couple of new ones here that I think are fascinating. Um, so anyway, uh, Matt, do you want to tell them how the show works? Yeah, I think they know by now. Okay, so let's, let's get into it. Right. Let's move on. Then. Uh, at 10. Yes. I have steel magnolias. Oh, see, that's when I, because I was like, well, is it about the wedding or is it about, but I guess well, you're leading up to her wedding. Yeah, we're all building to her wedding and then she gets You're married right. and, and yeah. passes. Spoilers. <laughs> that's why I'm like, that's one of my two where if you want to fight me on it, nah. that's fair. Nah. That's fair. Um, Given our announcement, there'll be no fighting about anything <laughs> to me. I'm like, nah, somebody else will fight. Whatever. Bring it on, fucko. Bring it on. <laughs> um. So, uh, I don't know. I've always been a sucker for this movie. So, yeah. when I was a kid, uh, mm-hmm. it was one my mom wanted to watch. Yeah. So, you know, she gets her choice, just like all the rest of us at times. Sure. And, uh, yeah, so uh, it's a, like a young Julia Roberts, and I was already intrigued by that because she was really making the leap into, hey, she's going to be a fixture in your life. Yeah. Yeah. Type of situation. Mm-hmm. And... Plus, it's kind of always, I always enjoy the young up-and-comer when they do a movie like this with a bunch of seasoned individuals who have mm. been in movies for so long. Because it's kind of like a passing of the torch situation. Totally. Yeah, because you've got, what, Tom Skerritt and... Yeah, and Sally and Fields. Shepherd. Yeah, Sally Field. And, uh, what, Olympia Dukakis. Yeah, Shirley MacLaine. And Shirley MacLaine. And yeah. people that have been in movies and part of the, the cinema... Uh, pop culture lexicon yeah for decades and for them to basically defer to the next generation coming up but to see yeah. the scenes of all of them in that beauty parlor together there's a great back and forth and you see something like that and you're like why wasn't olympia dukakis more a part of my life <laughs> she is I, she is so charismatic in that movie yeah. yeah i love every scene he's in and like sally field drove me nuts as a kid but now when I watch it as an adult, I understand her motivations every single time. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. She lived in the world. You understand a little more. Yeah. Yeah. We just understand her fears. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't have any children, but I can understand that protective nature and the fact that, uh, you know, her daughter is a diabetic. Yeah. And this is in a world where people know what it is, but they don't know what it is. Right. Type of situation. Right. right. Um, yeah. My understanding of diabetes, I... I got through movies and television i didn't know anybody diabetic when i was a kid Hmm. um so i just knew like get him some orange juice or something that that was my diagnosis if they're having a problem (laughs) i fucking didn't know uh other part three bring him out some uh, candy bring him out something something (laughs) their blood sugar is crashing i don't know if that's actually what's happening but i've seen a lot of movies uh i've since seen a friend of mine is diabetic and i've seen Uh, him go into a state where we had to call emts Mm -hmm. and show up because out of nowhere just his body crashed and suddenly he is catatonic yeah he's looking through you you're talking to him 
and he's like mouthing words, but he's not processing any anything that's going on around him. Yeah, that's what happened uh, with my dad when because my dad oh, really? got, he got diabetes late in life, the type two diabetes. Mm -hmm. So, but he wasn't like my dad lived in this fairyland sometimes, a fairytale in his head because he'd be like. Oh, you know, it's fine. And he would just keep eating the sausages and keep eating the meat. And then we'd have to take him in. And he thought he could lie to the doctor about the blood. Because you're supposed to be measuring his blood on the electronic meter every day. And my dad thought I could just measure, he could measure it like the day before or two days before and stuff like that. And it would register and it'd be fine. But like, you know, she down the doctor would download the readings and it would be like only two days since the last time he saw her. So she, I remember go, I was, I flew home and my mom, my mom was at the end of her rope. My sister and brother couldn't really get through him. And my dad and I just sat down in this conversation. I said, if you want to die, I'll book, I'll go buy you a gun and you can just fucking do the job because what you're doing now is essentially the same thing at a slower pace. So yeah. if this is what you want, then do that because this is not working. Um, you know, and, and I got through to him and we, we had the honest conversation. We went back up and spoke to the doctor. She like mapped out what it was. And from that day forward, you know, he was testing his blood. He was eating different type of food. My mom, like a little less of the stress on my mom, but then he got cancer. And when he got the cancer, I remember we went to the hospital because the doctors had fucked up on his chart that the, the, how much they were giving him the, the chemical they were giving him and stuff. And they had gone to, they had, I think it was uh, uh, twice uh, or something, once every two hours, you know, supposed to be once every six hours. And they had just written the wrong number. And mm -hmm. so when I came to see him after I dropped off my sister and my mom and I'd gotten some dinner, I came back to the hospital, as you said, catatonic, he was catatonic. And it's kind of mind blowing when you see someone go catatonic. And they see you, but they're not registering what yeah, you're Yeah, now they're looking through you. Yeah, they're looking, exactly. So I kind of, and he started to like pass out. So I had to slap him awake a little bit to keep him there while I yelled for the doctors and the nurses to come in. And I said, you guys are fucked up on this chart. Take a look at this chart. I know you fucked up on this chart. And sure enough, they had given him too much glucose because of mm -hmm. the chemotherapy and stuff. They were trying to replenish it with glucose. And they had given him too much. And he had, it, that had, spiked him past the point and so he was even more like just kind of out of it so eventually you know we got him some bananas got it slowed him down a little bit got him some water and all this kind of stuff and then eventually he kind of leveled out about two hours later but dude scariest fucking moment most yeah. emotional moment you know other than obviously when he passed and i saw his body that that really scared me because I, I kind of thought like my dad like diabetes wasn't that wasn't a big deal you just had to monitor it but seeing what it actually does to you is just kind of mind blowing to see it. Yeah. Yeah. If you let it just go unchecked. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, once you experience a catatonic thing, you'll never forget it, man. You'll just never forget seeing that. No, it's like, uh, you know, full metal jacket when Joker, they, it's the second half and he's oh, talking yeah. to the guy and he's like, you never been in the shit. You ever seen like the 30 yard stare or whatever. Yeah. That to me is always the first time I, my buddy looked catatonic is like 30 yeah. yard stare. Like he's just, I don't exist. Yeah. He's yeah. looking right through me right now. Right. And he can't process what's happening. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. And then paramedic showed up and he was right as rain as soon as they gave him the right, you know, medicine. Yeah. Yeah. Balanced him out. Yeah. And then just like practically instantly came back. It's like, God, that is fucking spooky. <laughs> it is kind of, yeah. Um, all right. So what a good way to start the show. <laughs> what, yep. What are we at? What's your night? Uh, my nine is Father of the Bride. Oh, okay. Go ahead, man. 
<laughs> not on your list, I take it. Lindley tried really hard to make me put it on the list, but eh, I'm not a fan of it. So I like the Garcia one. I that one almost made my list. The recent one on HBO Max. But okay. The other one's a little. It's a little cheese ball, man. So I, I'm, I'm not a big fan of it. What are, you, what are you talking about? A guy in Southern California who has a shoe manufacturing company that's somehow, uh, you know, successful? Yeah, very, very rich off a shoe manufacturing company. Yes. Yeah, I don't. I think he they they present him as upper middle class. Yeah. Even though he owns this manufacturing, what you know, plant for yeah. athletic shoes. <laughs> uh, it's got. It's got a good balance of heart and humor. Okay. Um, it's Steve Martin doing more of the heartfelt stuff because he's done the over-the-top, eccentric, yeah. comedic characters. Right. And then he started to segue into these more adult roles. Now, this is on, like, the tail end of a ton of those. Right. Uh, Parenthood, L.A. Stories. Etc. 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 Where he had big string of, I'm doing more of the serious stuff, um, and this was kind of slightly a little bit of a return to form where you have the comedic stuff, like when, you know, he gets found out by his future in law or, or I guess in laws, uh, and the dog scares him into and he falls into that pool. Oh yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and Martin Short is the over the top wedding yeah. planner. Super, uh, super caricature. Yeah. Yeah, to beyond. Like, I don't even know what nationality he's supposed to be. Just vaguely European. Mm. Couldn't tell you what he's supposed to be. Austrian? I had no, no yeah, fucking clue. something like that, yeah. Yeah. But you could also tell me, like, no, he's actually the, the south of France, and it's this weird... He's <laughs> Serbian? Yeah, who knows? Get Serbian? Sure. Croatian? No idea. Um, He steals every scene, although that's the character that he's playing. Right. Is you need to come in and choose scenery because that's what we're asking of you in this. But the bond between Steve and his daughter is very heartfelt. Yeah. Yeah. And Alice, he, thanks, Alice. What's uh what's uh, Michelle Williams? That, no, wait, what's her name? No. I'll look it up real quick. <sighs> she was in a fucking million movies at that yeah, point. She married Pete Sampras. Um uh Pete Sampras married the girl from Billy Madison. I thought and I thought um Andy Roddick married the girl from Billy Madison. Andy Roddick married Brooklyn Decker. Don't ask me why I know the love lives of it's Kimberly Williams Paisley. So she married Brad, oh, Brad Paisley. Paisley. She married Brad Paisley. Oh, that's yeah. it. Okay. All right. <laughs> she married somebody else famous as well. <laughs> No, I just love the fact that, you know, we went, no, no, that's, they married. No, no, they married. I love that. That's good. Well, I just, I, Roddick's, I remember, because yeah. I was like, dude, good for you. I'll kick your coverage. I mean, Roddick's a good looking dude. Yeah, he's a good looking guy. Yeah, the male Brooklyn Decker, for God's sake. But she is pretty in- incredible. Yeah, 100%. Um, so good for you. But anyway, so Steve and Kimberly have, it seems like a genuine uh, father-daughter type yeah. of relationship. Yeah. And, you know, my, my dad had that with my sister, and my Ooh. brother has that with his daughter. And so I think that's why I kind of gravitated to putting this on my list, because 
I've now experienced that through the eyes of others. And yeah. be like, yes, I can, I can understand a fraction of, of what the inner turmoil of all of this must have been. Plus, in the movie, they'd only been dating for a handful of months, and then suddenly they're engaged. And right. she's been like overseas or something in Europe studying abroad, coming back, and now she's engaged. So that must have been sent you into a tailspin of like, what the fuck? What? Like, hey, it's great to see you. What? Yeah, exactly. Uh, but anyway, so that's my nine. Okay. All right. Uh, what's your eight? Uh, my eight might might be higher on your list. Okay. Might not. I don't know. Uh, four weddings and a funeral. That's my eight. Yes. What a fun uh, film. Yes. Yeah, I like Richard Curtis. I'm a sucker for his British stuff, uh, his British romantic stuff. Um, but it always has a little bit of an edge to it. And even this one has a little like deaths in this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the progression of this relationship between Andy McDowell and Hugh Grant. Kristen Scott, this is my first introduction to Kristen Scott Thomas. So there's a lot in this movie that I uh, thoroughly enjoyed. And in fact, I might even put it on after we're done with our stuff. Because it's been a while since I watched it. And while I was compiling the list, I'm like, oh, this is on Prime Video. Um, maybe it's it's been a bit take a look and just disappear into this world. So I like it for what it is. And it's, you know, it's the beginning of Hugh Grant who I always kind of liked. And so, yeah. um, Yeah. The film just works as a progression of these people's lives from, from wedding to funeral, to wedding, to wedding, to wedding. Cause it, I was like the title, there's four of them in the movie. So um, yeah, those are my two cents on it. Um, So I did rewatch it for this. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I haven't seen it since the nineties. Wow. Okay. And I was like, ah, you know what? Uh, let's see. Hugh Grant is, you can see why he became what he became. He leaps yes. off the screen. Yeah. He is fantastic. And I forgot how good John Hanna and Simon Callow are. Oh, yeah. Simon Callow, yeah, especially. His, yeah. his, pa- his passing is like super fucking sad in the movie. And look, I'm not the biggest fan of him as a person. I love him as a performer. But some oh, of really? His- He's not a good uh, dude? Well, no, his Orson Welles books, I think, are really condescending. Fuck him. And I, and some of his opinions on that. But his performances are always great. You know, and when he plays the fop, or not fop, when he plays the arrogant British guy, he's a great villain. Just a great villain. So seeing him in a role like this, it's brusque, and but you still feel a connective tissue to him. And you understand why Hugh Grant has such a, a care for him. So that when he passes, you actually feel that in the movie. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's the kind of the driving force of their friend group. Yep, yeah. Um, but I will say this. Andy McDowell is wooden. <laughs> yeah, bro. Yeah. I like, There are other things. Like, go watch Groundhog Day, and she's got a lot of charm. Yeah. She is fucking wooden Yeah. yeah. in this. Yeah. I, I was never a big Andy McDowell fan, but I didn't <laughs> never disliked her. Right. And I saw this, and, like, I don't even... Yeah. This is amazing. She got better as she got older. That's 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 what I would say. Is because you're right. Because even in what's the oh yeah, even in Greystoke, the Legend of Tarzan, which is like the first thing she ever did. She was overdubbed. Yeah, Glenn Close did her yeah. did her. Um, oh, I didn't know it was Glenn Close. I just yeah, remember the story that she was overdubbed. Yeah, Glenn Close is the one who did the, her line. So Glenn Close, you know, did a British accent. And did the lines for Andy McDowell and Greystoke. So, yeah, I, I think you're right. Until Groundhog Day, we didn't really get to see. And I know Green Card, I think, is a little bit after that as well. So those are those films where you got to see a little bit more of Andy McDowell. And now, 
you know, I kind of like seeing her stuff. There's, she's much more relaxed or comfortable in her acting than mm. she was when she was younger. You know, I was just shocked. I didn't remember her being so yeah. stiff. Yeah. And so just like delivering, I, I don't understand why he would fall in love with you this quick. <laughs> you're, a, you're a beautiful woman. Yeah, I'm not yeah, taking yeah. that away, but it's just like, yeah, yeah you, the two of you have no chemistry. Really? Yeah. Uh, I mean, if it, look at that. I mean, the, the movie was made for $3 million, Matt. It made $245.6 uh, Runaway huge hit. Fucking hell, man. Just got one of those, Matt. Just like one. there's the the guy who plays their eccentrically wealthy friend who's kind of an idiot. Yes, yes. But him coming to self-realization towards the end of the movie, mm. I, I, don't, I didn't remember that twist where he was... He's trying to stop Hugh Grant's potential bride from coming in the the yeah. wedding because Grant isn't ready. And then he comes back in and he talks to that uh, actress, the character who's always late with Hugh Grant to these. And he's like, yeah. you know, the benefit of everybody thinking you're an idiot is no one anticipates you lying, like when you're lying. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I did not remember him being that self-aware Yeah. as a character. At first, like upon rewatch, I was like, boy, this dude is annoying. And by the end of it, he's endearing. Yeah. Which is a testament to the actor and the direction and the writing and everything. Yeah. They just give the character time to to grow. It's like Kiki Palmer and Nope. First few oh, yeah. scenes, I fucking hated that character. And then eventually by the end of it, I was like, she was awesome. I, yeah. Now I understand why you start here. Yeah. And it ends here. Uh but yeah, she drove me up the wall first few <laughs> scenes. Well, it's like uh, when she's on the set, like I do catering and I'm an actor and I'm a this yeah. and I'm a this and I'm a this. And I'm like, yeah, I've met a few people like you. You're all <laughs> yeah. annoying. Yeah. You're all annoying. So when she's up doing that spiel, just like I, I can imagine being a grip or something on that. Just yeah. sitting there like, just shut up so we can start our day. We got to shoot this horse. I don't give a fuck about the moving picture first. Yeah. Okay. Yeah giving the whole yeah just fucking get history. to history um but anyway both are number eights yeah yeah absolutely and of course the great rowan atkinson in the film as well as a father and he as a priest rather and he's you know he was in the uh love actually and all those richard curtis mm -hmm. things um all right so but then my 10 is um for the five-year engagement okay yeah i defend this movie and i'm really glad it took corpse bride off so i could make this movie be on my list um i it's one of these ones that kind of wasn't that well received but i really enjoyed it jason siegel and emily blunt have fantastic chemistry um you know they're they're engaged they're going to be married and then he takes a job and when he takes a job it kind of alienates her a little bit so she goes and gets something else and there's the possibility of infidelity on her side but it's not happening so it gets all uh kind of crazy about it and so it's just this whole progression of how they came together in this really sweet way uh, at the beginning of the movie. And then you see how his hesitation, her desire, and then her being like, you know what? I can't keep waiting around for you, dumbass. And is the, is the thing that finally motivates his stupid ass to wake up and realize what he's got. Um, and there's some great stuff with Alison Brie and Chris Pratt before Chris Pratt became Chris Pratt. Um, that they have nice chemistry there with them. And it all leads to, uh, a wedding at the end of the movie, spoiler, but I, I liked it. And I, I think Emily Blunt is fantastic in the movie. 
And there are some like, you know, unsettlingly honest exchanges. If you're a, a couple that's like exploring wedding and you keep delaying the wedding, you keep hesitating on actually making the commitment. The conversations that they have, I think, are really good within the weird kind of comedy that uh, um, plays out. And I think Emily Blunt is just so up for that kind of comedy in a way like Rose Byrne is where you're just like really surprised that someone that beautiful can really kind of slide in and be adept at playing that kind of comedy so well. Yeah. Um, and of course, Siegel's always great. It's, I'm looking forward to that new film, a show of his shrinking with Harrison Ford. Um, so it, it was, it's nice to kind of go back and revisit some of the stuff where I really enjoy him and her together. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Ford doing a bunch of television all of a sudden. Well, man's got to work, I guess. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I think it's Apatow who produced it. I don't think he directed it. Yeah, Nicholas Stoller directed who did um uh what's the one with um didn't oh he did the Muppets and then he also did what the fuck is the isn't that the one that I'm thinking of that he did with um which one Yeah, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. He did Forgetting Sarah Marshall and Get Him to the Greek and he did Neighbors. So and bros, which I thought was great from this from this past year in 2022 with Billy. That was okay. Really? Oh, I liked it a lot, man. I, it at, just didn't work for you. At points, uh, mm. yeah, I don't. I I liked it and didn't. Okay, fair enough. I thought I had a good ending, though. I did like the ending. Yeah, yeah. Um, much more honest ending than you were maybe led to believe it was going to have. Yeah, and a. I thought uh, overall it's a solid storyline. I just mm. think I would have made cuts to certain scenes and maybe fleshed out other parts, but gotcha. But oh, I like him as a director. So I enjoyed this movie. So yeah. You didn't see this one? Uh I did not. Okay. I did not. There's quite a few on this list where it's been a long time since I've seen it or I never yeah. saw it. Oh, fair enough. Um Okay. Um yeah. so then my number nine is uh my big fat Greek wedding. Uh, that is, oh, you know what? I wrote that down and I forgot to add it to my list. Ooh, okay. You want to rearrange your list? Yeah, I mean, I would, I would bump off. So move, I'll move everything down. Okay. I, yeah, I would say it's in the seven, eight-ish range. Okay. For me. What number was that for you? Uh, it was number nine. I'll make it my my eight but go ahead and start us off yeah i mean this film i think uh i saw some i watched some scenes from it in preparation for our show and still holds up the sweetness is still there especially as me being uh, a son of immigrants you know having the immigrant family and having the dad who thinks certain thing one thing solves everything that approach that idea of like oh she's not or he you know in this case he's not greek how is he going to fit into the system in my dad's case he, she's not latino well, Latina, how is she going to fit in? So that kind of thing, you're seeing some similarities. But also, just there's a, it's actually deceptively really well written. And I like the scenes, like the characters. And although they're a bit fantastical, like with, um, is it Andrea Martin? And she's, well, she's the aunt who has that thing growing on her neck and whatever. Like, I think it, yeah. Andrea Martin is in the movie, I believe. Yeah. yeah. She's the aunt. And the, like her, like that would seem, it could take you out of the movie. But she makes it seem so realistic that you're just like, okay, I, I buy the kind of weird, fantastical uh, characters that are in the film because it has a a, found, a strong foundation at its core uh, that feels real. 
And so, you know, this idea that she's never been with a guy, never been on a date or whatever. And so she meets this guy as a teacher, but he's not Greek and how that kind of upends the family and then the conversations and the interactions and then the slow progression to that point where she finds her voice because her family are doing all of this out of love, but sometimes that love can be suffocating. And although Mm -hmm. you want them to stand on their own two feet, sometimes you don't want them to stand on their own two feet countering you. So I like that that's all explored here. Uh, leading up to the very sweet wedding with her, her and John Corbett. And for once, John Corbett gets the woman. For once, it's kind of nice to see John not be the cuckolded guy or the guy who loses out on the girl. It's nice to see him finally get the girl at the end of a movie. Plus, um, the movie has a universality or universality that everybody can identify with on some level, so long mm. as you have an extended family like this that you interact with. Yeah, yeah, agreed. So you might not be able to to hit all these pieces, but just like, hey, I've got an uncle that's kind of similar to that, or an aunt that's <laughs> that reminds me of that, and it's got a phenomenal story right. that Nia was doing the show. Yes, right. And Rita Wilson came out to see it, and then loved it so much that she was basically a driving force to get this turned into a movie. That's an awesome story. Yep. Yep. And. God bless Rita Wilson for trying to help, you know, an unknown by and large actress get their break. Love the story that much. It's just like this. People have to see this. This is fantastic. You're amazing. I love the story. Let's see what we can do. And then she gets her husband on board and then they've got a production company and bing, bang, boom. It slowly but surely works its way through and becomes a massive hit. Just a massive hit. It's always weird to see her pop up in old stuff before my big fat Greek wedding. Like I was going through some old boy meets world stuff on YouTube and I forgot that oh, she shit, she's in that. Yes. She has a couple of episodes. It's like, I think this tutor who might have, might, there might be some romantic stuff or maybe she's the, she's the, um, yeah, there's something there. Or maybe she's the one that has the kid and there's something going on there. So, yeah, she was on for a couple of episodes uh, as an as an older love interest for one of the main guys. And I watched the scenes because I hadn't seen those episodes. I just was watching some scenes and I was like, wow, fuck, man, she looks so different here, you know, just before she goes and, and has the big fat Greek wedding. You know, she never really got kind of 100 percent back to that point, but she's worked consistently in a number of projects through the years and they did the sequel right in 2000 yeah they did the sequel so yeah she got a little bit of a run around yes my big fat yeah and then which happens to quite a few yeah you know people in this business is like it nothing took off near as much as that so yeah you don't really get that many opportunities like that anymore yeah they had a tv series that tr- turned it into a tv series which she was in called my big fat greek life uh, and then there was Connie and Carla, My Life in Ruins. And then it, that's where I think those were trying to become something and take off, and they never really did. So you see her pop up in movies every once in a while, but she's also in like, you know, TV series and whatever over the last few years. So, but still working. Fuck it, man. Still working. You know, so I can't yeah. say anything negative about that. Yeah, done well for herself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. So, uh, what's your seven? Is that right? Or did that get yeah. me now? Okay. No, no, that's my seven. Uh, it's a uh, bridesmaids. What? Punt. What's, I can't, you know, okay. 
What's your six? You know, you're getting into some territory where, oh, you know what? I'm an idiot. Oh, no. What happened? I have my big fat. Oh, you do? Yeah. Okay. I had it at six. I okay. First- so we just talked about it. We just talked about it. Okay. So do, are you rearranging your list again? No, 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 no. no. It was at six. I don't know how I just missed that. Okay. No worries. Bridesmaids is still seven. <laughs> so that's it's fine. Still a punt. It's Big still- Fat was six. I just somehow looked right past it. Okay. Um, so what do you got? Uh, my number seven is Ready or Not. Uh, that's a punt. Oh, nice. I'm glad it's on your list. Okay. Um, and then my six is meet the parents. Okay. I, right? guess, it, I mean, it's all leading up to the wedding because he's got to meet the parents so that he can get the wedding. He, yeah, I didn't he, even, it didn't even cross my mind. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Okay. It's a good movie. Yeah. I love this movie. It's so good. Yeah. And I like a couple of the sequels. I didn't finish out the run to the last one, the little Fockers or whatever. Um, uh, but I like this movie. This original f- film is so much fun. It's such an unusual film um, because you're, you know, he's a male nurse and all the negative connotations that come with that at the time. Sure. Ben does a great job of exposing that. And then you've got, you know, De Niro trying out comedy, who he had not done comedy a lot up until that point. Um, you've got Brenda Blethyn, who's, oh no, Brenda. Is that right? No, wait. What's her? Uh, the uh, talk about Blythe, the sorry, Blythe, Paltrow? Yeah, Blythe Danner. Uh-huh. Sorry, Blythe Danner. Blythe Danner. Yeah. Um, I said my my girlfriend watching beer has got me Brenda Blythe in mind. Yeah, but Blythe Danner, uh, in this and um and uh, Terry Polo and so that whole and then of course a great Owen Wilson playing her ex boyfriend. So this whole thing that he's going on is to so so he can you know get her hand in marriage and they can come to the wedding. So the whole thing is in preparation for the wedding, him meeting the parents and all of this kind of stuff and shopping for tuxedos. So the entire movie is about getting to the wedding um, and the madness that goes on uh, for him. And I love the fact that at the end, he does get to kind of stand on his own. He does get to kind of push back and fight back. And he isn't cuckolded by um, or sorry, emasculated by De Niro at the end because De Niro realizes, you know, my daughter does love him and I'm an asshole and I need to fucking make this right. Uh, and so those scenes with him, with that stewardess on the plane are just fucking hilarious. And when he ends up in the final office or final uh, confrontation with De Niro before the wedding, I think it's great. So did, I love it. Yeah. It's such a fun movie, man. Did this come first or analyze this? I think this came first before I analyzed this, but okay. uh, let me look that up real quick, but I think it came first. But he hadn't done a lot of comedy, and both you would no. say those two are both bang bang comedies that really kind of established him. That he's yeah more than willing to, yeah, be in these uh, comedy movies and pull it off masterfully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And now it's like uh, fucking if you have any kind of comedy with an old guy, De Niro's just willing to sign on without reading the script. He's got too far over the side. I, I look, I appreciate that. He wants to work him yeah, and Pacino. Yeah. Uh, you mean Duncachino? You mean Duncachino? Um, no, you're right. Analyze. This was first. And then it was meet the parents, okay. but 99 to 2000. So it was like, yeah, it's right there. Analyze this in 2000, meet the parents. Yeah. So it's a good, I couldn't remember which came first. So it's yeah. not like I was saying, you know, that one came before the other. I knew they were around the same time. I just right. didn't know the chronology of it. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's got some great scenes. The ones that everybody gravitates towards like the lie detector. Yeah. And then the, 
can you milk me, Greg? When he's talking about that cat and saving a little cat and yeah, yeah. milking the tiny little nipples. And he's just sitting there and he's like, I have nipples. Can you milk me? It's great. Like you're, you're a fucking idiot right now. You do realize that, right? Nobody's buying your bullshit. Uh, right. But yeah, De Niro just playing it pretty much straight. Yeah, pretty much straight, which is what you need in a good comedy. Somebody playing Yeah, you got to have somebody doing that. Yeah. He goes for more of the laughs at times and analyze this as he like breaks down and oh, cries. Yeah, yeah. To see that, but it's mostly Billy Crystal doing the heavy lifting as he should. Yeah, right, exactly. Like any of the heartfelt moments in that movie or, or any other should be uh, De Niro would probably be the safer bet to be the catalyst, but yeah. why not hand off the reins to this guy is known for, or this woman is known for being funny. Why don't we have them do the funny thing? Exactly. Um, I do love that about De Niro, that he is a big fan of comedy. So yeah. I think it comes from a place of respect and reverence. Yeah. Cause he's a great dramatic actor. He must sense how difficult it is to do comedy so well, you know? Oh, I just watching I've watched so many of, him, Rickles, and Scorsese. Oh, oh man. Do just talking and whatnot. And he just sits there quietly and laughs as Rickles makes fun of both of them, but mainly lays into Scorsese. His his roast of Scorsese at AFI. I rewatch that all the time. Just for him to go oh, you to Robert De Niro saying, Bobby, yeah. is it one of the best actors of our generation? Yeah. Ask him, he'll tell you. You ask him, he'll tell you. You ask him. Fucking so good. You ever hear the story of when they were shooting Casino? Yeah, no, the, the video. Yeah, if you're talking about the deleted or whatever, when they go back and forth and he's like. I know. So uh, Tarantino was in town shooting. Oh, okay. Or in town in Vegas. Yeah, I can't yeah. remember if he was shooting or whatever else. And got invited to set to come hang out, mm -hmm. meet everybody. And he had never met Scorsese. So oh, he was, wow. by his own account, he was excited. Okay. But at this point, like Tarantino's already had a couple films under his belt. We all know him and we yeah. all agree this dude is good. So it's not like he was some unknown quantity. Right. And he shows up in the set and he's jazzed about meeting Scorsese. And Rickles is there. And Rickles is like, finally, a director with talent. Tarantino, come on, save us. This asshole and just starts making fun of Scorsese about how bad his direction is. <laughs> And Tarantino's like, it was great. And at the same time, this is a terrible way to meet somebody you idolize. I know. Because <laughs> you don't know like where, where yeah. to reject anything. Yeah. But though, you know, Rickles is just laying into it. I'm sure <laughs> De Niro is just sitting there laughing his ass off, not saying a word. Just uh so perfect. But yeah, it's a when he finds a good comedic vehicle, yeah, he's always really good in it. Yeah. He just yeah. Yeah. signs on from a lot of stuff that maybe uh, yeah, not my cup of tea. Yeah. The war with grandpa or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I always think of bad grandpa, but that's the Johnny Knoxville. Right, right, right. But it's just. What was his Zach dirty, Efron. What was it dirty? The one he did with uh, the one he did with Efron. What was that one called? That's the dirty, one that dirty I think grandpa. Of, dirty, dirty grandpa. Dirty grandpa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but then there was another one with grandpa in the title, The War with or whatever you're talking about. Yeah, The War with Grandpa, yeah. That was the one with Uma Thurman as his daughter, I think. And then which is ironic considering they were love interests in Mad Dog and Glory. Oh, true. Yeah. I still go back and watch The Irishman, man. He's so good in that. Anyway, I know I'm in the rare thing, but that. all right, where are we at? Uh 
Oh, I think we're done, right? With our bottom half. Let's take a break. Uh, sure. Take a break. Hear this word from our sponsors and be back right after this. All right. Now we're jumping into our top five. Do you want to do uh, your number five first? I got to use the restroom. Yeah, sure. That's uh, a wedding uh, singer. Is that on your list? Uh, that's my number four. Okay. All right. I'll start off and you can pick up okay. when I get back. Yeah, the wedding singer, Adam Sandler, uh, Drew Barrymore. This one, you know, this is, you know, there are just some some of the comedies. I'm not the biggest fan of Sandler's out there comedies, but I do like his sweet ones, like Big Daddy um, and like the wedding singer. I'm not a, you know, I'm not going to put on Billy Madison. Uh, I, I watch scenes from Happy Gilmore, sure, to laugh, but these are the films that work for me when he does these kind of more... Um, honest films about the emotional stuff, even though he puts them in kind of funnier situations and the wedding singer is great. You know, his meltdown as the wedding singer, because of his breakup and everything like that. And he starts, you know, questioning love and scoffing at it and all, and then meeting Drew Barrymore and how that relationship progresses and seeing that she's with the wrong dude. And look, that's a trope and a cliche from back then that totally worked when it was constructed. Well, of course, now it would be so see-through but back then it really worked um, turning the, you know, the preppy kind of arrogant asshole into the, the villain antagonist. It totally worked. And so seeing that progression of their relationship and the sweetness that develops between them as the film goes along so that they end up together, I think is great, you know, and it's, it's tangentially connected because he's the wedding singer. I don't remember if we see a wedding at the end of the movie or not, because it's been a bit since I've seen it, but I just remember enjoying um, his comedy, enjoying their connection, enjoying their in their um, what they built in that film, and then by the end, there's just such honest um, care between them that it's no surprise that they did numerous movies together as love interests um, as his career went on. So, exactly. <laughs> I only heard the tail end, so I don't know exactly what you're talking about. But uh, uh, yeah, I second the motion. <laughs> Um, what are your thoughts on the wedding scene? If Adam Sandler chooses to do movies like this, I wish they were all more of this template. Ah, uh, right. Yes, that's exactly what I was saying. Yes. Yeah. Because I, I love the, the serious stuff he does too. Sure, sure, sure. And the comedy, like, you know, Happy Gilmore and Billy Madison were very much of a time. Yes, yes. And... I don't think he could replicate doing that type of humor, especially Billy Madison. I think you could do, I think he could do happy Gilmore again. Yeah. Um, But Billy Madison, just the stupidity of the character, you need to be a young guy type of thing. But if you're going to do this hybridization of bringing the heart plus the funny boy, I wish, because you, we all agree. He seems like a genuinely great guy. Yes. Yes. And, we all have an affinity for him. It's almost it's like this weird. You can't put your finger on it. Right. It's what it's never worked for Andy Samberg for me. Right. He doesn't have the same charm to me. So I'm not buying into the comedy as much because I'm not as beguiled by your presence as I am Adam Sandler. And I don't know why mm. you like Sandberg. You're very good at what you do. Yeah. Uh, it's just never been my cup of tea. No matter how many times people tell me to watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine, like I tried. I just couldn't get into it. <laughs> and by all accounts, that's the best he's going to be. And it's like, if you love it, you love it. Right. Um, but in this, it just, 
I could I could watch a sequel to this. I would happily watch if he made an updated version. Oh yeah, like uh, coming back and visiting this. Again. Yeah, and seeing where they're at now. Maybe they have kids, and the yeah. kids are going off to to do something uh, similar. They're going to get into a relationship that doesn't look good from the outside, and you're trying yeah. to convince them or whatever. Or there's a star star-crossed lover. Uh, I could easily see the two of them signing on for this too, yeah. Sandler and Barrymore. Um, totally. But yeah, I just wish we got more of these as opposed to he started making movies for kids, which there's nothing wrong with that. He's got kids. He wants to make stuff that they can watch. Yeah, yeah. Um, it just wasn't geared towards me at all anymore. Yeah. So I didn't go in for that. I saw a lot of them, though. I saw Click and I saw other stuff. Pixels? Was he in Pixels? He was in Pixels. Yeah. I did not see Pixels. I thought about it, though. That was the first one in a while for Sandler's that I thought about seeing. Okay. Well, there was that one where he would tell like bedtime stories to the kids and the stories came alive. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I think it's called bedtime stories. Yeah. Okay. I saw clips of that, but that one never intrigued me. And there was a few others in between that and Pixels. And I'm like, yeah, not not really made for me. Let your jam. I can respect no. that. Whereas Wedding Singer, like it's making fun of the 80s, but it yeah. also loves the 80s. Absolutely. Yeah. Which is a tough line to, to walk. Because it's easy to, to fall into one or the other. Right. And to still have both. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, I think that's the best he's gotten from his supporting cast too. The guys that were all in the a ton of movies with him. Yes. Um, they, I, they were utilized very well in the way the characters were created and and cast in that. As you said, it hasn't always been the case with him. So to see them work so well within the construct and parameters of this film was fun to see. You know, as opposed to like little Nikki when they were used to to create just some of the weirdest fucking people you've ever seen on a screen, characters you've ever seen on a screen. Yeah. Which I did not hate that movie. Oh my God, really? I know. <laughs> but I am I'm not saying I love yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't I don't think it's awful. I, I guess the closest to the heart and comedy that he did after that would be Big Daddy. Yeah. Right. Big, that's what, I actually said that at the beginning of my okay. interest. So I agree. We're on the same page. Like that, yeah. Those are the kind of Adam Sandler comedies that I like, that have a little more reality or honesty to them. I'm not going to put on Happy Gilmore. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to put on Billy Madison other than maybe some scenes. But I'll watch Big Daddy. I'll watch Wedding Singer. I'll watch Fifty First Dates. I'll watch these films that have a little more mm-hmm. – um, just, I don't know, a little more foundation to them, a little more emotional honesty to them rather than these weird, fantastical, funny, let's just be funny, be funny type things like grownups. I'll never fucking put that on again, you know? Yeah. Can't believe they got a sequel out of that. <laughs> and neither can David Spade, I imagine. Um, I assume this, the budget was so cheap. Maybe. You just, yes. hey, show up, get all my friends. We all agreed to get paid like the same amount of money. Yeah. Since we're all friends and then we're only shooting for a month. But isn't Salma Hayek commanding a certain. Yeah. But I'm saying like the. If Sandler agreed to take as much. Yeah. Just an upfront salary. Cause I'm sure yeah. he has back end points. Right. 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 But as Spade and Brock and Kevin James and. Yeah. Although of those, I think Kevin James easily commands more money than the other two. Probably. Yeah. Because he's had more films where he's the lead and actually made money. Yeah, and they've been films. successful. Yeah. And then I guess you would go Rock and then Spade. Oh, 100%, right? Yeah. I think that's the way it would go. 
I can't imagine you pay Spade higher than Rock. Yeah, but that being said, Spade's been on television for two decades now, pretty yeah. consistently. So yeah. it's true. The guy's made a hell of a career. What longer? I never saw him having this coming off as an Hell no. Are you kidding? Hell no. Especially after Eddie put the death on him. You know, yeah. what, what happened there. You yeah, know. snarky guy. I never saw snarky guy having a, a long career. Well, yeah. Good for David Spade. That's why I was almost fascinated that Seth Meyers is still around because he's he's pretty much the snarky guy as well. So I always always wonder at that. Yeah, but talk show, he's always trying to spin like a likability yeah. type yeah, of yeah. thing. Like For an sure. everyman situation. For sure. Um, okay, where are we up to now? You're, are you uh, my five? Oh, you're five. Yes, sorry. Go ahead. Yes, what's your five? Uh, which is much ado about nothing. Uh, <laughs> There's two weddings uh, in that, technically. Yep, yep. Knock yourself out, man. Go ahead. Um, This is... So we, we brought up Macbeth a couple of weeks ago, and yeah. I couldn't... I could not get through the language. Hmm. Because I think in Macbeth and most other uh, Shakespearean versions, they still give the kind of play performance where it's the it's coming at you faster. Yeah. And much ado is slowed down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's easier to get the contextual understanding of what they're saying if you don't follow the the verbiage. Mm-hmm. Although even in that, I think the verbiage is easier to follow in this. Perhaps just because it's a love story. And that's there's a love story with a betrayal of a brother and another brother, yeah, type of situation. Um, but like with something like Macbeth, there's the your father dies, and then there's your uncle and all this political intrigue and backstabbing, and there's it's a complex web. Yeah. Um, whereas in Much Ado, it's it's more fun rom com, mm-hmm. you know, Shakespearean version of it. Yeah. And I think it's easier to follow. Um, yeah, it's the first Shakespeare that I ever saw when I was like, okay, well, maybe I'm old enough to where I understand Shakespeare. And that's just like, not the fucking case. <laughs> uh, but this one I've always liked. And I would say, watch it, if nothing else, for Michael Keaton. Because yeah, he is right. flawless in his, like, head of the night's watch, whatever his actual yeah. title is. I don't know. But I went back and just watched all his scenes, as many as I could find on YouTube. So good. Yeah. Just slays me. And then you have the the back and forth with Emma Thompson and Kenneth Branagh as they're these oh, yeah. seemingly polar opposites, but the in reality, they're practically mirror images of one another. Yeah. Yeah. And watching them slowly kind of fall into each other's orbit is a very believable love story. Coupled with a natural love story that's going on right before you. Right. Um, with uh, Kate Beckinsale and the dude from Dead Poet Society. Uh yeah. Yeah. Um and then you got Denzel and Keanu and Keanu pulling it off, might I add. But in your opinion. In your opinion. Do I think they could have had someone that I would fear more going up against Denzel? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't scare me for a second in the film. That's why no. the film doesn't work for me. I'm gonna take him out, man. I just it, I love I love Keanu. When Keanu's in his wheelhouse, in his lane, Keanu is great. When Keanu steps out of his lane, Dracula, Much Ado About Nothing, these other films, he really gets exposed. And I, I, as much as I love him, and I do love him, and he's a damn fine person and human being, 
you know, you got to be honest in your assessment. In my opinion, I just, I, he takes me out of the movie every single time. Yeah. It, it, not for me. Dracula. Yes. <laughs> Much as Ford Coppola has said, God bless him. Like he was trying. Don't yeah. think that he was not trying. I saw him prepare. Yeah. But he is miscast in that movie. Whereas in this one, it's just like the part is so small. Yeah. I'm fine with it. Mm. Keanu, I like you. John hates you, but I like you. Put that on the t-shirt. Yep. Uh. <laughs> but honestly, Michael Keaton is so good. Yeah, he is. He's fantastic. So good. The little, even little things I forgot. These are the gifts in Shakespeare plays. He always, even in the tragedies, he always has this one character that is made for laughs or played for laughs because he understood how to balance, that you needed something to balance the tension. Just take a break from the tension for a second or for a little bit. And that character that Michael Keaton plays does that. Osric, Robin Williams' character in Hamlet does that. Um, in Macbeth, sometimes they keep or don't keep the guy who runs the uh, the castle and he has a funny he has funny exchanges there. So there's he always found like these moments uh, of uh, humor within the tension to kind of take give the audience a break for a second before he dives them into the real tragedy of the play. And that character is is fantastic. Even though there's it ends on a positive note, there's the potential of tragedy. Sure, um, uh, for sure. At the end of uh, Much Ado. Um, all right, so that's my number five. What do you okay. got it uh, for? My four is uh, Palm Springs, the Andy Samberg movie. Go right ahead. I'm not, not an Andy Samberg guy. I'm not, I'm I not. I like this movie a lot. Uh, him and Christina Milioti, who I think is great. Uh, the Last Resort on Peacock is is on there, and she's really good in that as well. And she's about to be in something that they announced. I can't remember what it was, but. I am such a champion of hers because Made for Love was great on HBO Max as well, those two seasons. And so, you know, see, this movie was such a surprise for me of what it was, which is, of course, Groundhog Day. But, you know, it's a, all around a wedding. It's all about a wedding. It occurs at a wedding. The Groundhog Day starts at a wedding um, and it leads to them eventually, you know, coming together. So but the madness of the film and all the different adventures they go on and the kind of exploring the time bending stuff and then you realize who else is involved in the groundhog day aspect of it all is great uh and it leads to a lot of fun conversations funny moments some uh, uh hard conversations as well um but the chemistry between her and uh samberg is just perfect and i like samberg i i do like samberg i like his lonely island stuff i like brooklyn 99 um i like and- his lonely island stuff i'm not gonna yeah. deny him that yeah, and I enjoyed him on SNL for all those years as well. Yeah, I I can't remember a single skit that he was in, (laughs) or sketch rather. Can't literally. I mean, I'm sure somebody's like, "You remember the time this happened?" Oh yeah, but it's all the Lonely Island stuff. I don't remember a sketch that he was in. Yeah, but the Lonely Island stuff was so fucking good. Oh, it was great. Yeah, they were. I mean, became massive hits on their own. I mean, Dick in a Box. Yeah, Dick in the Boxes. The it's Natalie such a stupid Port- concept, and it's it's perfect, right? And the Natalie Portman rap, holy shit! That single handedly changed everyone's perception of Natalie Portman. Single handedly, you know. So, yeah. uh, Lazy Sunday, yeah, that was the first Parnell. Oh, yeah. that was so good. Like yeah, there's another guy where I I thought he would fall into obscurity after mm-hmm. SNL, and I think he's actually gotten better. Yeah, I would agree with you 100. percent His yeah. Archer work, people don't talk about it enough. Yeah, I know yeah. H. John Benjamin is great, and um, 
Oh God, I forget names all the time now. This is terrible. Thank God I'm not playing anymore. I'd be a, I'd be out in the first rounds every time. Um, oh, what's her name that plays? Uh, oh, the uh, now sits at the chair for whose line? Yeah, yeah. It was uh, on maybe like oh. the first black person on Friends. Um, <laughs> yeah, she's on Criminal Minds Evolution now as well. Uh, <laughs> never even yeah. heard of that criminal minds evolution it's the new one it's on paramount of, plus of course it's there's a fucking actually movie. good i had walked away from criminal minds as you should have years ago dude and you know lindley loves these kind of shows so we were like oh you know this is coming back um so let's take a chance and we watched the first oh. one it's, like, it's not fucking bad so then we just we've been watching watched the first episode of night court yeah i watched the first two yeah, dude. I, the pilot is terrible. Oof, it, is pilot is terrible. Yeah, yeah. it is awful. Yeah, there. I mean, it's it's basically a bad '80s sitcom. Yes, just doesn't I, work in modern sensibilities. I don't mind a sitcom, right. but it's uh, the jokes are just you see him coming from a mile away. I don't know how he talked because he claims that she talked him into it. Who, Larroquette? Yeah, he claims she claims he claims that she's the one that like came to him and like convinced him to do it um and so he took it aisha tyler that's her name aisha, aisha tyler. tyler nice oh uh, yeah but uh yeah and i was watching the second episode is better than the first episode but I'm not by it. much there's no chemistry with the characters they're all there's no humanity to them they're all played for caricature and and it's so frustrating because when you watch night court all those actors they chose to play those characters they have a groundedness to them you know, Mac Mac brought that kind of like real world sensibility. Roz was the no, don't fuck with me or Selma Diamond. The same thing. Don't fuck with me. Moose was the kind of dummy, but a sweet dummy. Um, Marky Post was like this eager person that wanted to save the world. And Harry. And of course, and Larry Cat was a skeptic, was a cynical guy, but there were human vulnerable moments. And so from the beginning, there was much more depth in the characters and and the actors that were playing them, including Harry Anderson as, as Judge Stone. So to not have that here, I think, is a massive mistake in the casting department. And the same thing with the... But this is NBC right now, just so frustrating because the new Law & Order is that way as well. It is terrible, the new Law & Order. Just utterly fucking terrible. Yeah, I don't know how you make a bad one because it's just the same formula. It, well, they changed it because they're so overcorrecting for the criticism which I never agreed with the criticisms of the old law and orders. How it's unfairly elevates the police and make to everybody else is a criminal. And I mean, the whole fucking police force. I mean, I just, I don't agree with that at all. We're like, everybody just wants to kill everybody of color. It's ridiculous. And so to me, I, I you know, I don't understand why there were criticisms of a show like that. Cause that was a fucking great show, law and order. So they come back and overcorrect and now everybody's having PC conversations all the time. And it's like, this is not fucking real. This is not fucking real. Nothing you're doing is fucking real. And then the the actors they've brought in just have no no depth to them mm. at all. Um, and it's super frustrating. And, and Sam Watterson's way too old to be playing the character he's playing. You know, you just you feel like he's gonna um fall over at any moment, you know. So anyway, those are my mini criticisms of both of those shows. But I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep watching Night Court, hoping it finds its feet. But yeah, that pilot was so awful that it was bad, dude. I'm I just know. not gonna watch it. She's not even playing like because she's 
she's a bit of, uh, I hate to use the word again, but she's, you know, kind of a little bit of a caricature where she's putting on this, I'm nerdy little, blah, blah, blah. And, and you're like, ah, where's the depth here? Whereas Lara Kett, I think because he's such a pro, it's no problem for him. To yeah, no, he looks, yeah, he looks great in his scenes, even though like the, the jokes that he's delivering are terrible. Yeah. The writing's not great. You're right. hundred uh, percent. He's still delivering it pretty flawlessly. Yes. Agreed. He's the, he's basically the only thing I like. He's a pro. Like he's it. a pro. Yeah. Yeah. And then the, the, the woman we've seen before that's taken over the Marky post role. Yeah. I could see there being some tension there, but sure. nothing like the sexual tension they had before, because there's a 50 year or 40 year age yeah. difference between them. So it's not going to be the same there, but there's something there there. I could see the repartee existing, but the, yeah. Yeah. The Marsha Warfield character is brutal. Yeah. She's yeah. And then not, yeah. Yeah. The guy that they got playing Mac. Yeah. Is nothing. I he was honestly could have faded into the background. Yeah, and it's just like, oh god, this fucking show. But Palm Springs, I genuinely, it came down to, do I re- want to rewatch Four Weddings, mm-hmm. or do I want to give Palm Springs? Because like Four Weddings is probably going to make my list, but I wasn't sure. Yeah. It's like, you know what? I haven't seen that in twenty years or longer. Right. Right. Let me watch it again. <laughs> but Palm Springs was the talk of the town when it came out. Everybody loved it. Yeah. So if there was ever a Sandberg that I should give a whirl, it's got to be that one. Yeah. Yeah. I like Hot Rod. Movie. I know a bunch of people that love that movie. And I'm just like, really? That's fucking. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Where are we at? Uh, your number three? My number three? What are we at? Uh, my number three, okay. which is the punt from earlier, Ready or Not. Oh, okay. Go ahead, my man. Not my usual fare. Okay. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. Which to me is a testament to how good I think that movie is. Mm. I saw it in the theater, um, which once again, I wouldn't normally see a movie like that, but I heard enough good things, went saw it, loved it. Mm-hmm. And then I've seen it since once, which okay. to me tells me, okay, I, because it's only been out for what, three years? Yes, it hasn't been out that long. In fact, yeah. the directors of it just uh, just did the new Scream movie, Scream 5, and I'll be doing the new Scream 6 too, yeah. Okay. Um, but it's a great premise. Yeah. I don't know how much we should talk about. Oh, good point. We shouldn't spoil too much of it. Yeah, because yeah, it's a newer movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. But so, yeah, yeah, it's kind of a fish out of water in that this girl is marrying into a rich family, and the rich family is wary of of outsiders because are they coming in for our fortune and whatnot? And they have to be initiated into the family. Yeah, and it and it's the initiation process, which is the movie. Yeah, a hundred percent. Um, but it's all yeah. It's just it's great premise. Yeah, love the twists and turns. Yeah, and I thoroughly appreciated the ending. And I was like, me too. And yeah. I know it was kind of controversial with some people. I liked that ending. Where's the controversy? Well, people felt that it was a bit like unrealistic. The whole fucking thing is unrealistic. I'm just telling you what people said. I'm not saying I said it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not saying that you are. <laughs> That's what you're going to take issue with. How yes. we got to that moment, we're going to no problems here. Yeah. Because then there's verification of what's going on. Yeah. And so, 
upon that verification, then you'd be like, well, I still, you know, the ending was a bridge too far. Okay. All right. That doesn't, that doesn't make any sense to me. That's lazy criticism. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought it was so well directed, so well paced out. We just talked about Annie McDowell. I thought she was damn good in this movie. Um, and all the all the actors that were a part of this thing. And then when you find out what the actual truth is about the family, I thought that was handled really well. Um, yeah. And Samara Weaving, as she grows in strength and like understanding of the situation and troubleshooting it and fighting her way out of the situation, I think is it's fantastic to watch. And the shit they put her through, my God, you know, uh, as she's wearing a wedding yeah. dress the whole time, I think is just fantastic. And God love her for doing this role because she was so good in it, you know. Yeah, you think she looks at Anya Taylor-Joy and is like, that's the career I should have? Uh, I don't know. I mean, you know, everyone thinks she looks like, uh, what's her, uh, Margot Robbie, and they even make a joke about that in Babylon because they're both in Babylon and they have a scene together. And so, um, and I think they showed up with the premiere wearing the same dress, but with a different style to the dress, which of those funny. Um, but no, I, 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 want, I, I think she's probably happy where she's at, you know, yeah. and I think, you know, you got to understand some people just have a different energy and people want to work with that energy and put them in yeah. certain things. I'm just, they're both young mm-hmm. actresses that look somewhat similar. Yeah. And have somewhat the same energy. And Anya Taylor Joy right now is the cat's pajamas. Everybody she, wants her in their stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Which I can't blame them. She's, I can't think of something that I've seen her in that she wasn't good in. She's really fucking good, man. Yeah. She is. I mean, just, just if you go from, Last night in Soho to Queen's Gambit to the Northman to the menu. Those are four completely different type of films. And she's markedly different in every single one of them. And that just speaks volumes about the kind of actress that she is, you know, and it's, she's still so fucking young too. That's the crazy part of it all. She's still in her fucking early twenties. Yeah. There's much more to come from her. Like her and Florence Pugh to me are the top two young female actresses that are just. Yeah, but I think she's got a leg up on Florence. Just because she's had more varied stuff coming out. Uh, Now, Florence has the Marvel, plus she's getting this prestige stuff. Yes. Also, the TV stuff, like Little Drummer Girl. She's great, Little Drummer Girl. If you guys haven't mm -hmm. seen that series, I think Catherine watched it without me. Oh, okay. (laughs) And then once I discovered it existed, she's like, oh, I watched that. It was good. Oh, okay. You love those moments, right? Yeah, it just it, it happens, and then other times there's stuff that I'm intrigued by, and she's like, "It's not good." I'm like, oh, okay. yeah, yeah. That's I not love- to say that we always had the same taste, but it's fairly similar. Yeah, I love them when I catch Lindley with something like that. She's like, "Oh, I, I want, I, oh, I want." I thought we had a discussion that you didn't want to see it. We never had the discussion. You lying little shit. You just wanted to watch the series and didn't want to wait for me. Don't lie. Uh, <laughs> it's always hilarious when that happens. Yeah, Anya Taylor Joy. Basically, to me, she's closer to like Adam Driver, where oh, she could do any project she wants, and we all agree, yeah. you're really good. I'll continue watching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas I don't think Florence has gotten to that level with me yet, even though I think she's oh, really, really good. Oh. Anya, I just I haven't seen a bad thing that she's been in. I yeah. just don't think I've seen as much of Florence's stuff. I mean, even in that Olivia Wilde movie, I thought she was the standout to even to go see that movie. There's no reason to go see that movie as her. Hmm. 
Yeah, yeah I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna see that. Yeah, I imagine you won't. Yeah. Nah. Um. All right. So then, my three is the punt from earlier from your end, uh, Bridesmaids. All right, go for it. Yeah, I love this movie. I love this movie. So much fun. Such so many great female comedians a part of this film, led of course by Kristen Wiig and Maya Rudolph, and then you get to Wendy McLennan, McCovey, Ellie Kemper, also and Rose Byrne, of course, as you said, just kind mm-hmm. of playing the more straight character uh, with all these different kind of uh, comedians involved, and it all works so well. There's a real sweetness uh, to the story of you know Kristen Wiig and just the low point of her life, insecure. You know she's lost her bakery. She's living with an ungrateful roommate in rebel wilson and um john ham is just using her for sex is and matt lucas the other oh matt lucas yes yes that two plays rebel wilson's uh brother. brother yes you're right uh and so she's just and then her now her best friend is possibly getting a new bride's or getting a new maid of honor or whatever and so even this last vestige of her life that she can kind of call her own might be being taken away from her and this is what leads to the snap, to the breakdown and everything that happens as a result. And the, to me, the comedy scenes are just utter gold, uh, stuff we've never seen women do on screen that works so well. Um, and of course, Melissa McCarthy, who is just fucking fantastic. This is the movie that launched her in essence, even though she'd been on Gilmore Girls and a couple of the films. This is the one that really launched everyone. Well, she had, Yeah, she was coming off the heels of Mike and Molly. Yeah, the Mike and Molly as well. Both yeah. of those. But, you know, she hadn't made that big, big jump. And this is the film that really kind of launched her into be able to do her own stuff with Ben Falcone, her husband. And, um, yeah, and just and the, 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 the Kristen Wiig breakdown is just a classic scene. The back and forth to her and Rose Byrne at the toast situation where they're trying to one up each other is hilarious. And then at the end, you know, what what happens there with and, oh, and the storyline, rather, with her and Chris Dowd, how that all comes about and mm-hmm. um continues and progresses so to me just it's just a really sweet film and very very funny um that leads to an honest ending that i kind of really like the scenes where she's trying to get chris dowd to arrest her (laughs) yeah that's my favorite part of the movie those are great those are you know just slowly going past and trying trying to get him and he's frustrated drunk driving (laughs) yeah just Hey, look at me, just fucking around, trying to get him to arrest her. Because he basically get him to pay attention. Yeah. So she's trying to break the law in front of him. That Those parts utterly slay me. I love that that scene in the theater. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a solid movie. It's completely rewatchable. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just have a great affinity for the movies above it. That's all. No respect, no disrespect at all. All right, what's your two? Uh, my deuce is Wedding Crashers. That's my deuce. Yes. Agreed with you. Um, for when this came out, this in old school, mm. I preferred this. And then eventually over time, I think over school, uh, old school surpassed it for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Vince Vaughn just slays it in yeah. every single fucking scene he's in. Yeah, I I could watch that character, and then the uh, uh, Fisher, the girl that's Isla Fisher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I so attracted to him, and the mania that she brings to her role, and then the sweetness between Rachel McAdams and uh, uh, Owen Wilson. Yeah, they have an amazing chemistry between them, and 
go back and rewatch it, Bradley Cooper is technically the villain. Oh my god, he's absolutely the villain. Yeah. Um he gone. is, but it's like there's the the real villain is like them not getting together. You know what I mean? Okay. Um Yeah. I don't know. I I think you could cast 50 people in that part. Mm, I see what you're saying. It's not like it's so indelibly he's the villain and it's Bradley Cooper's because I forgot he was in it until he became Bradley Cooper. And I was like, oh, yeah, he was in Wedding Crashers. He's playing a standard dick role is where you're saying. It's it's a forgettable and it's not his fault. I think it's just the way it's presented. Um, And then Chris Walken as the dad is fantastic and jane seymour is the mom oh my god is amazing it's the hottest she's ever been dude uh <sighs> fucking motorboating you mo you motorboating son of a bitch <laughs> fuck god vince vaughn man at that point he was just that that rat-a-tat style of delivery this was the last gasp of that vince vaughn i would love to see that vince vaughn again but he's he's just too old man he's just too old but I would love to see that Vince Vaughn again. It's so good. He's so good in the movie. Yeah, he is. You motorboat son of a bitch. You motorboat son of a bitch. You got in there, didn't you? And it's just like, just, uh, how much of that was improv? Ugh. Of him just oh, like, oh, here are the bullet God. points we want to hit. Go. Yeah. yeah, yeah Had yeah. to be. Mm-hmm. Um, God, I loved Vince Vaughn at that time. Dude, so good at that time. Ugh. Yeah. I'm just, I'm looking right now to see what that's because that's early 2000s, right? Like 2004 or something. I want to say even earlier. Is it 2005? I would have guessed 2002, 2001. And that's so that's like the last gasp, right? Because then it's what dodgeball. When is dodgeball? Like some people love dodgeball. I, I think I, that movie's terrible. <laughs> I like dodgeball. It's got moments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I liked Fred Claus. I thought it wasn't bad in Fred Claus. Okay. I hated the breakup. Oof. Couples retreat was lame. Did you ever see uh what was it? Uh dragged across pavement. Concrete. Concrete? No, I have, that's on my list of like Me these hard ass male movies I need to watch. Dragged across concrete. Then the one with Nicholas Costa Waldo, would he go? That's what I was gonna say. I got in a mood and I watched that one. Shot oh, did. What is it? Riots or Cell Block 99, whatever it's called. What is, is that what it's called? That's oh. another Vince Vaughn one. Oh, okay. Um, What's the one with, with Shot Nicholas? Collar? Shot Collar. That's yes. Nicholas, whatever, whatever. Yeah, Costa Waldo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's a good movie. It's good. Okay. I got to see it. But yeah, he hasn't. I mean, he doesn't. I didn't see Quinn Pin, Queen Pins. I don't know if that was good at all. Memory serves it was not. I did not see it. Okay. Yeah, I mean, like, I think that was it because Delivery Man wasn't good. Unfinished Business wasn't good. Uh, the Watch was terrible. The Dilemma was terrible. Couples Retreat was not was not good. Four Christmases was okay. Fred Claus was fine. Breakup was really weird. And then we get to Wedding Crash. So I think it's the last gasp of that Vince Vaughn. That, that That's fucking crazy. great Vince Vaughn, man. It's a shame. Yeah, but if he came out with something tomorrow and they're like, it's Vince Vaughn, I'd, I'd watch it. I agree with you. I agree. With you. Especially because his episodes of Curb for the past season, he was great as Freddie Funkheiser. And his back and forth with Larry David was fantastic. And I'm like, mm. oh, you know, that shit's like gold. Because Yeah, where's that? Come on. Yeah. 
somebody write that for fuck's sake. Yeah. I don't know though. I don't know what's gonna happen. Well, I guess I should see Queen Pins and see if he's any good in it, but I don't know. We'll see. Um all right. Uh anything else to say on wedding crashers or should we move on? Let's move on. Okay. What's your number one, Matt Nest? Uh my number one mm-hmm. is coming to America. <laughs> As is mine, dude. Uh yeah. I had to fight for this one on my list. And even Lindley was giving me shit about it when I read because I read the list to her this morning. She's like, "Wait, that's not about a wedding." I go, "The whole film, the whole thing's building to a wedding." Yeah, exactly. The whole thing is him searching for a wife, and then eventually it's he finds the woman that he's falling in love with, and then they get married. Yeah, it's all building towards the wedding. Yeah, yeah. Uh, It starts with a potential, you know, betrothal of the the woman that he's going to be potentially forced to marry. Yeah. And then uh, decides, as his father puts it, to go sow his royal oats <laughs> in America. Yeah. And then he goes to Queens. And uh, it is amazing. It is. A, it is. Yeah. I mean, what what can we say? It's so, we've talked about it numerous times on the show, but it still holds up. The sequel, not so much, but this one holds up. The comedy still works. Every time there's a new kind of analysis of the film, I always enjoy reading the new analysis of the movie. Um, the McDowell stuff is still resonant and hilarious whenever you hear it. Yeah. And then leading to the wedding and and the message itself still resonates. The idea of love, of marrying for love, not for status or not for a arranged situation and, and walking your own path to find your own happiness, you know, and it, it all just so works amidst all the very, very funny sequences in the film with both of them dressing up as different characters, you know, the stuff in the barbershop, uh, sexual chocolate stuff, the dude at the, the reverend, all of it just works so well. Yeah. This is Eddie at his height for mm. me. Mm. Never. This was just perfection. Yeah. And then it was bumpy ride and then fell off and, you know, who knows where the, the, what the future holds. Yeah, I want to watch that You People movie this over the weekend. I'm definitely going to watch that. The, the trailer looks funny as shit. So um, I hope it's good because I'd like to see Eddie start to make a little bit of a comeback. And, and there's been momentum towards that with like, you know, My Name is Dolomite. Yes. And then, uh, what was the one? It was two years before where there was like somewhat Oscar buzz, but everybody agreed the movie wasn't good. Dream Girls, do you mean? No, no, that was years before. Yeah, it's it like that. two years, maybe three years before okay. my name is Dolomite. Um, oh, that's a good question. What was the one before my name is Dolomite? Uh, do, 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 do. No, not Mr. Church, I don't think. Right? It might have been Mr. Church. Oof. That's that's a terrible movie. But yeah, I think they were, you're actually right. I think they were actually thinking that that was going to be something for him because it's a serious role. Uh, and yeah, it was it Mr. Out. Church. There was yeah, a buzz of like maybe Oscar contention yeah. for Eddie and then yeah. movie wasn't good. So Holy fuck, man. Dream Girl since 2006. God yeah, it was damn. a long time ago. God damn, dude. Wow. Wow. All right. Yeah. I did like Dolomite is my name, though. Um, All right. Do you want to add anything more about coming to America? Are we good? No, I think we're good. Okay. All right. 
sucked. Well, let's wrap it up here. We'll combine the list. I sadly I don't have the bongos near me. They might be back in the in the basement, so I or in the garage. I apologize, but uh, I will just bang on the desk. Um, shall we put this together? Uh, yeah, one two is easy. Coming to yeah. America, Wedding Crashers. We have to flip on three, right? Because well, unless you've got, I've got Radio Night at seven. Do you have wed- Bridesmaids at seven or at eight? I have Bridesmaids at seven. Oh, it's a flip. So three seven three seven. It Let's is do a it. Flip. All right. Flipping. Oh, ready or not takes it. Damn. Nice. And then All right, so that's one through four. Okay. Okay. And then I would say wedding singer next. That's four yeah. five. Yep. All right. And then Let's see. Big fat, you had it eight? Nine. Nine. Yeah. So we have big fat and uh, that is it. Don't we have four weddings? Oh, four weddings. Yeah, that was my eight. And that was my eight. Okay. So where are we at right now? One through five is done. So we have six through 10 to go. Okay. Do we want to elevate four weddings up to six? Or do you want to go with? Well, if we're doing that, big fat beats it. Oh, right. Good point. So we can do big fat four weddings okay. and then just our highest. That sounds good. All right. What's your next highest? I have my Palm five. Springs at number three, uh, four. Palm Springs at number four. All right. Palm Springs. Okay. Then my five, because we already used yours. Mm-hmm. Much ado. And then what's your highest? Meet the parents at six. Meet the parents it is. Oh, nice. All right, here we go. The top 10 movies about weddings, yeah. At number 10. Meet the Parents. At number nine. Much Ado About Nothing. At number eight. Palm Springs. At number seven. Four Weddings and a Funeral. At number six. My Big Fat Greek Wedding. At number five. The Wedding Singer. At number four. Bridesmaids. At number three. Ready or not. At number two. Uh, Wedding Crashers. And our number one movie about weddings is. Is Coming to America. (laughs) Yes. Good stuff. All right. There you go. That's our list for this week. We thank you all so much for joining us. Uh, Whether you're watching or listening to us on the podcast feed, we appreciate it madly. And, uh, you know, hopefully you didn't miss our big announcement, but if you did uh, go back and uh, listen to the first uh, 10 minutes of the show and you hear about our big announcement about the show, uh, Matt, what else do we have to tell? Um, if you're so inclined, you can follow the show at top 10 show all spelled out on Twitter. And then on Instagram and YouTube, it's forward slash the top 10 podcast with the number 10. So hit us up and you can follow me anywhere at Mad Nost and uh, check out my other show. Settle the score. You can find that anywhere you get podcasts or you can watch it over at YouTube.com forward slash Matt Nost. Yeah, I just recently took on Jeff Snyder on that episode or that show. So uh, watch that episode or listen to that episode for sure. Uh, As for me, you can follow me at The Roca Says on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, The Outlaw Nation on Twitch, my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash John Roca Says, where we're trying to get to 50,000 subscribers uh, by the end of the year, if that's even possible. Come and take a look at the content there. And uh, my other uh, 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 podcasts, the top, no, sorry, the Cinephiles, uh, the Geek Buddies, and the Hot Mic there that I do with Jeff Snyder for y'all to listen to. All right. 
Take care of yourselves. Be well. We'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode of the Top 10. Peace. Ooh.